Do you find it hard to talk about money? In the household where you grew up, did the adults talk about money? Was it a source of stress? A source of power? Money can sometimes seem like it's not from the world of storytelling. It's cold, it's hard, it's lines on a sheet, it's millions of digital transactions whooshing around the globe. But the stories that we learn and tell about money dominate a huge portion of our lives. For some, it can feel like it measures your worth. For others, their vulnerability. Issues around money can be deeply interwoven with shame and secrecy. So even if money is unfeeling, transactional, clinical, our feelings around it are anything but. This is why I was so glad to have Kia Commodore on the podcast this week. Kia is the founder of Pennies to Pounds, a financial literacy platform which makes learning about money straightforward, clear, and manageable. She hosts a podcast of the same name. When I first heard Kia, I was so impressed by her caring directness and the engaged and excited reaction she was getting online showed that she had tapped into something that a generation living in an ever more complex world of financial tools were desperate for someone to guide them through. I love this conversation because money is something we all have to deal with, fine, but it can be so good and healthy to hear about how other people think about money and how other people approach money. So you can see that if money is a point of stress for you, for various reasons, and you can find ways that maybe you didn't learn from your school, didn't learn from your family, haven't learned yet from your experience, you can learn new ways to approach it. I've known people with huge salaries who are totally out of control of their money and it's a huge source of stress for them. And then I've known people who are basically on close to minimum wage, but they've got a six month emergency fund built up, they've got a healthy pension set up, and they're really empowered when it comes to their money. So. I hope that wherever you are on the spectrum, you can take something away from Kier's cool-headed but warm-hearted approach to finance. Welcome to Storyteller, a podcast about how and why we tell stories. I'm your host, Lisa Golden. If anyone here that's new, this podcast is a chance to hear from people from all over the world and all fields. I've had poets, journalists, performers, academic scientists, uh, I've had a handful of Buddhists on. I really believe that we're all storytellers and this podcast is here to feed mine and I hope your curiosity about the narratives that there are around us in the world and like and what we can what we can learn from them and where we can challenge them and how we can grow them. If you do enjoy the podcast or have been enjoying the podcast, if you have a if you have access to Apple, it would mean the world to me if you could jump on and rate and review. It's a tricky process. I know um, a lot of people really struggle with it if they're not used to doing it. For everyone else who doesn't use Apple Podcasts, the best way you can help the show is just to share it with someone who you think will enjoy it, uh, tweet about it, post about it on Instagram. Spotify has a great thing now. If you see something on Spotify, you can share it and it'll go to your Instagram stories. Uh, all these little things help, you know, it's just about it's just about getting the word out there so we can grow our little storyteller community. But always, thank you so much for your support. I love hearing from you. I got some great, lovely feedback from some friends this week and it just means the world to me. So thank you always for your support. Now onto my conversation with Kia. Kia, thank you so much for coming on Storyteller. I like to start the podcast by asking all of my guests if they consider themselves storytellers. Oh, I say I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And 
could you sort of tell us about your journey to starting Pennies to Pounds? Because I guess it's sort of an evolution into becoming a storyteller. Yes, of course. So I'm going to kind of start from the beginning. So I guess money's always been something that's interested me from young. When I was growing up, my parents, I think from like nine years old, set up a, a junior savings account for me. And I'd go on regular trips with my mum to the bank. So that was always part of me, just kind of learning money. And then when I got to sixth form, I guess that's when it grew again, I started studying economics and amongst other subjects, but I started starting economics and I found it really difficult, but really rewarding at the same time, mm. because it was learning so much about the markets and how money works and all these kind of things. So then that kept going. I wanted to study economics at university, but I wanted to study it with a language and not many unis did it. So I ended up doing business and French um, at university. And then whilst at the university, I had friends there who got themselves in some financial difficulties. So did I, but mine was very short lived. Mine was like, got into it, got out of it. I was okay. But I had friends who were really struggling and they came to me for help because they knew I had a lot of knowledge. So then from there, I kind of realized in my second year of uni, I said, you know, what? if my friends are having these issues, the likelihood is there's more people like us, more young people who are struggling as well. So that caused me to start my YouTube channel in 2018. And I was doing, you know, kind of creating financial videos, educating people on like how credit cards work, mortgages, all those things. It didn't take off the way I anticipated. So I put it on hold until 2019 in October, which I guess was looking back on it, I think was the right time when I ended up doing a thread on Twitter about the Help to Buy ISAR, because at the time that was closing. So I made that thread with the intentions of repurposing it for Instagram. At the time, I had like less than a thousand followers on Twitter. I had like a couple of thousand on Instagram. So I said, okay, I put it on my Instagram. And the Twitter thread ended up going viral. So that was just like, whoa, okay, didn't anticipate this. That went viral. And then from there, it kind of caused me to think, right, okay, maybe I found a better medium. How can I kind of contain this information? That is how Pennies to Pounds came about. So a week after that thread went viral, I came up with creating a podcast, called it Pennies to Pounds, started that podcast um, with absolutely no knowledge and how to start a podcast. But that's the beauty of the internet. You kind yeah. of look it up and yeah. figure out how you do YouTube it. YouTube videos. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and then from there, it kind of just snowballed. I mean, I was getting asked to, you know, come onto the BBC, go into the radio, which, as you can imagine, was amazing, insane. And then... We came into 2020, which started off strong. So I, I held my first ever finance event in February last year and we sold out. We had like 140 people in it. It was incredible. And then March hit and that was when we all went into lockdown. Yeah. And then I noticed that there was a lot more of a demand for my platform. You know, people were struggling financially. People had lost their jobs. And then that's when I actually changed it from just a podcast to actually being a full-fledged platform. So where mm. we have different avenues you have the website you have instagram you have twitter you have facebook youtube everything um so people can learn in different ways and actually be able to up their financial literacy yeah. um and yeah that's where we are now amazing and it's so interesting that you said that your parents like opened that door for you ab about being i guess straightforward and talking about money because i think a lot of people's experiences like money i mean I th I, it's interesting to I th you speak to different people and like some people yeah they have their parents are they really straightforward with them it's communicated it's very much like a tool thing like here yeah, you've got to learn how it works it's, you know, quite a clear, unemotional thing. And then for other people, it can be quite like a shameful thing. People don't really talk about it. So I think I think that the reason you the pennies to pound platform resonates so much is like your voice comes through very clearly and it's very like friendly and clear and understanding. So do you think, have you always been like that? Is that a little bit of the voice of your parents? Like, where do you think that sort of directness and clearness comes from? 
Oh, I think it's probably a mix, a really good question. I think it's a mix of both parents. I'd say my dad is very clear and concise. When he makes a point, you know what point he's making. Um, but my mum is the one, who, she, she always taught me, she used to enter me into like book competitions, you know, writing books. And I used to win all the time because um, she used to teach me and show me. That was her passion from when she was young and she obviously passed it down to me. So I think being able to to create a flow that actually engages someone actually makes it makes them feel like they want to keep reading. I think I got that from my mum. So I kind of mix the two so we can actually understand what I'm saying and get the clear point, but you don't feel like I'm lecturing you. It's like, we're doing this together. This is how this works. Now, do you understand? If not, ask, feel free to ask more questions or we can kind of discuss it further. Yeah, I think that's really great because I think, you know, also in the space, um, I found initially, I kind of went on my own little journey a couple of maybe like five, six years ago when I was like, I am completely financially illiterate. I don't know what I'm doing. And I found a lot of American resources, but then it was just so the the, the UK resources were sort of lacking. And I would say until mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So why do you think financial literacy is so important? I think it's so important because it is literally the basis of everything. Once you leave school, you, you, you know, I, I know for me, I thought I was equipped and ready to take on the world. When I got to university, I said, yep, I can do this all, you know, sixth form taught me about this and this and this. But then when you get there and I had bills to pay for and I had things to set up and all these things that I hadn't considered before and how to budget my money because I can't go in when I was in London living with my parents and I got pocket money, for example, I could go and spend the money. If I need more, ask them at university because I moved away from home. I had to budget my money because there wasn't like an unlimited tap from my parents anymore I had to live by myself and figure it all out and I think it's just integral to everyone you're not going to, going to be able to progress to the next stages of your life I mean we all have these hopes and dreams when we're younger that we're going to get married have kids buy our own house have our own car retire comfortably but how do you actually get there without that knowledge of, mm. of you know knowing the next steps and that's why I think it's so important yeah and do you think I mean the more structural side of it you know I think schools do the best they can I think parents do the best that they can but the popularity of of um, platforms like yours I think does signal to the fact that a lot of people are kind of desperate for sort of clear straightforward financial information so do you think that needs to be plugged more on like the school side or do you think that's just maybe a structural thing that people just aren't getting taught at certain points like good financial information um I think that's a really good question as well and I've had this debate quite a few times I mean sometimes we kind of talk and say you know the onus is on the parents um and I agree to an extent but then equally we can't expect parents who have never received that education themselves to be mm. able to pass such pass down such knowledge to their kids if they generally yeah. don't know it themselves. And, you know, you can't expect that. And then when you look at the school side, um, again, I do agree to an extent that should be taught in schools. But then equally, we have, if you look at primary school, your primary school teacher teaches you every single subject. They're the sole teacher of every single, single subject. And then you get to um, secondary school and obviously you have different teachers for different subjects. But we can't expect teachers to then take on that additional burden. So I think now when we actually turn, I think it should be down to the government to actually enforce it, but enforce it in a way that maybe give schools um, a budget to bring external people like myself or other, other um, educators to come and actually teach young people and speak to them in their language I think that's a really important key thing I mean because you, you can bring in a lot of people but they may come in a very jargon field so kids now leave thinking ah, oh, I don't care about money I'm not even interested you know this person came in spoke to us for two hours I zoned out the whole two hours mm. you have to bring in people who actually understand how to speak to young people and convey the message and get them engaged so ultimately the goal is when they leave that presentation that you give them they actually want to keep learning and say oh my gosh yeah I want to I want to go home and actually research this because I learned this today uh, but yeah I do 
definitely think the onus is on the government to bring in external people um, at regular points uh, over the course of you know a child's um, upbringing um, to teach them the relevant lessons as they grow up. You know, you, you can bring in someone from it, when a child's in year four, year five, and talk to them about the basics of money. You know, when you have money left over from your pocket money, if your mum gives it to you, you can put it away. And why do you put it away to save? When mm. you get to secondary school, speak to them um, and explain to them, you know what, when you actually get a bit more money, um, this is what this looks like. And, you know, you can take out credit cards, but obviously not yet because you're not old enough, but this is how credit card works once you get there and mm. just increase those lessons as they get older. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you said there about, like, using the language of people where they are because I, I think... I haven't even experienced that as like when, it, when, when I was first trying to educate myself, it was like, I had said like older white American men normally. And they were like, you know, first of all, it's all American jargon. So they're like, you're 401k and you're shnish, I just was like, I don't know. Yeah. any of this. this is too much to me. And actually, I, I can't remember exactly who it was now, but I remember the first time someone was like, you need an emergency fund. This is why you need an emergency fund. And it, it was, it wasn't like, Oh, the worst was going to happen, but they, they, someone, okay, I'm trying not to swear on this podcast, so I apologize, but I'm going to say it very <laughs> briefly. Someone, um, actually her dad, we were having dinner and he said to us, you have to have a fuck you fund. And I was like, oh, and first mm-hmm. of all, I'd never, my parents don't swear. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this guy's yeah. Um, and and that made so much sense to me. He was like, no, you, then you have this little like base of power. And if anyone tries to push you too hard or you don't like your job or whatever, you just have this comfort mm-hmm. in the back of your mind that you can say, and you can you can walk mm-hmm. away yeah and um I think that again and and that was one of the most powerful things I did that was like years ago now I, I until COVID I actually didn't even really touch it and it gave me such confidence as I was moving through the world so I think like exactly what you said about meeting people where they are and using probably like more emotive more emotional I'm not saying emotional to like hype people up but like to get people to understand what that money can do for them rather than it being sort of like a numbers thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. With you. I think it's really important um, to to communicate with people. And I think a lot across this journey for me, starting this platform, I realised that sometimes I speak to people who have already had the base knowledge and just want to kind of ask deeper questions about certain topics. And sometimes I meet people who have absolutely no knowledge. And it's about adapting your approach and speaking to people and making sure that it's not condescending. So I, I try my mm-hmm. best not to, you know, engage with someone and make them feel like I'm speaking down on them or you don't know this, I know this, so listen to me. It's never that. It's about, it's, it's a mutual process. I'm going to help you. Um, if you have any questions, ask me anything. And I always tell people there's no such thing as a silly question. Even if you think this might be, this might sound dumb, ask it anyway. If you don't know it, then it's not a silly question. And now will be I will try my best to answer it you know in the best way that I can for you for you to understand um and I just try and foster that kind of environment on my platform anyway see storytelling is communication and clear meaningful and kind communication is what Kia is so mindfully bringing to her platform next up Kia explains her own financial wobble what she learned from it, and how it felt sharing that story with the world. One of your most popular YouTube videos is you talking about your experience that you you sort of mentioned briefly that kind of you got your your financial education fast. And I think, you know, to be honest, we all all have to make mistakes. Like you can learn, you can learn all the lessons in the world, but it's those little bumps when you actually have to, (laughs) you have to like apply the lessons (laughs) that make you stronger. Um, so could you tell that story a little bit and just maybe to speak to a bit more of the emotional side? Like, were you nervous putting that story out? Um, how did you feel about the emotional side of like sharing a sort of a vulnerable money story? 
yeah of course so that story in particular how it came to be was I was 17 and I've always been an entrepreneur at heart I've always had different things going on and it just so happened that my newest venture when I was 17 was I was very much into my natural hair and I noticed that there wasn't many products catered towards black hair at the time and there was one popular product that was really big in America we had no access to it in England and I knew so many people who wanted it so I went out my way to kind of figure out how can I bring it over here and start selling it here managed to communicate with the um, American seller got it over here did all the legal stuff set myself up HMRC all these things um, and I managed to get it over here so that was brilliant I was selling it all over here doing really well then I got to the point where I had my exams so I stopped selling it but I'd done really well up to this point and it's been about a year just over a year I was selling it doing really well um, and then like I said I stopped and university came and I went off to university. So in my first year of university, I barely came home. I was always up there um, and I came home for summer pretty much at the end. And I come back to quite a few letters from HMRC. So the dreaded brown letters, which are now dreaded to me mm-hmm. now because of the story, but I came back to those brown letters. Um, and I remember I opened up like, the, the, the oldest one and that basically said, oh, you hadn't started your self-assessment. And I just assumed that you didn't, I didn't have to because I hadn't been selling. So I okay, yeah, yeah. took the wrong choice of ignoring it. Um, and I just said, you know, what, I'll just come back to it. And I think I, I did kind of, you know, briefly touch on it to, to my dad. And I said, you know what? Yeah, they, they keep telling me letters, but I haven't sold anything. And then someone basically said, oh, yeah, if you just go on HMRC and just say, like, just basically, like, deregister, they'll stop sending it to you. So I did that. And I just assumed, I said, okay, problem solved, done. And then I went back mm-hmm. to university again, second year, barely came home, came back in second year found a whole host of letters waiting for me when I came home. And again, it said that initially my penalty for filing late is £100. And by this time now, for second year, so it's been a, a year now, it said that my penalty had gone up to £1,000. So I was like, mm. whoa, but I thought I'd be registered. All these things were kind of happening. And then I didn't know what to do. I tried to call up HMRC. They said, well, you've still got a file. So I sent, I sent in what I thought they needed for those, those two years, I said, okay, just please like stop it now. Just stop sending things <laughs> to me. And I assumed yeah. it was done. Um, third year, but third year I was coming back and forth. So I was getting the letters as I was coming back and forth. And I noticed that it was still going up and up. They were adding daily interest plus different late fees and all these kind of things. By the end of it, I'd reached basically 3,000 pounds worth of mm-hmm. penalty fees. Um, and I was like, I cannot afford this. I don't know what to do. I think I broke down in my room crying Shit. because I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do in this situation? And then I finally told my dad, and I remember I was shaking when I was telling my dad, because I was thinking he's going to tell me off, saying you should have told me earlier. Um, mm. But I sat him down and I told him. He did, he, he did not even flinch. He just said, okay, cool, so this is what we're going to do. And he helped me write basically a letter picture mark so he explaining how I got into this point kind of like the naivety that I had when I went into it which again is not justification but it's kind of like the reason as to why we ended up in this place uh, basically just yeah. initially initially the goal was can we figure out maybe like a payment plan if I have to pay this off that's okay but can we figure out a payment plan because I genuinely did not know and I don't want it to keep mm. that interest um but we, we didn't propose it in the letter we just kind of sent off the letter explaining everything and I kind of showed all the proof that I wasn't at home all these things that I was giving away at uni so I, I genuinely wasn't getting letters when they were coming um send that off and then I think it was the most anxious two weeks of my life I had to wait two weeks for a reply yeah. it came and as soon as I got that brown letter again I ripped it open um and I think the head of accounts in HMRC had basically written off my, everything and said we've closed everything we're not going to come for you again um in regards to this we've kind of cancelled mm-hmm. all the penalties that you have and don't worry about it and I think I cried again 
but this sounds yeah, tears of joy yeah. because that situation was finally resolved. But that definitely taught me a lot. And recording that for YouTube, I remember I no one knew that story. Even very, very, very close friends watched that video. Oh. I was like, they called me afterwards and said, You have never said this before because I didn't want to tell anyone. I felt very embarrassed. But then when I actually started to come back to YouTube, I said, You know what? This is really important. I can't sit here and tell people you need to sign up and you know register properly and it's important to do your taxes properly and not explain why I'm so passionate about it. So I sat yeah. down, I recorded it, and then when I actually pressed to upload and then I obviously I shared it onto social media so people could have a look, I was so nervous because I was thinking people might be like, but this is what you do for a living. How could you have got it so wrong? But I think a lot of people understood and a lot of people could relate. I, I was surprised at how many stories actually resembled mine that came my way afterwards mm-hmm. and people were like, you know what, you were 17, you know, I, I kind of completely understand how you managed to get to this point because it lasted until I was 20. Imagine from 17 to 20, I, I actually resolved it yeah. when I was 20 years old. Um, but it was a, definitely a great learning curve and I was a roller coaster of emotions, but we made it there in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's such, a, it's such an important story to tell because I think, you know, even something like HMRC, like I'm, I'm, I'm not from here, I'm from South Africa. And when I moved and I first had to do all my filing and stuff and those brown letters start arriving and you're just like sweating. <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think also I, what I loved about that story was it demonstrated both just like a clarity and communication. And then also just to show, I'm not going to pretend that like HMRC is like some cuddly teddy bear, but also that there sometimes are humans in the system and that you, you've got to at least try to plead your case. Or, you know, I think, cause I think if you're feeling like it's cause it's like, a, it's the government and it's this huge thing. And I think if you're feeling like you're going to be punished, I completely understand the impulse, which I think a lot of what gets a lot of people into trouble with like credit cards and all sorts of stuff is to just ignore it because it just seems so overwhelming and big. So I just thought it was such a good demonstration of both the period of time that these issues can come up with, you know, like having to wait every year for that tax thing to come through. Mm-hmm. But then also that like you played your case and maybe someone else could go through exactly the same thing and not have a different account manager and they decide a different fate or whatever. But also just I could think that agency of being like, tell them what happened. Exactly like you said, like maybe you have to make a plan or something, but just – yeah, I think it just sort of de it takes that like anxiety, nervousness, energy out of it just to be like, no, you're in control. It's fine. People make mistakes. Again, that very like clear speaking. So I just thought that was I thought it yeah. was a great video. Thank you so much. We all make financial mistakes because we're human and that's what humans do. But imagine if you could make those mistakes young and at relatively low stakes. And I think that's where, you know, information is key. Either you have someone that you can talk to about money in a way that is not shameful or scary, who can give you good advice like Kia had with her dad. And if you don't know anyone like that, it's so important that there's good, sound, reasonable advice that you can find easily online that makes sense to you, that speaks your language and makes you feel like you can learn and grow and make better decisions moving forward. Lastly, I asked Kia about the kind of financial questions people were asking during the pandemic and if she had some sort of basic advice for people looking to get their financial house in order. This last year, uh-huh, the, the thing, the, the panorama, yeah, yeah. and we, um, <laughs> we, did you see any specific trends come up over 2020 that like questions more of what people were asking about in in that year yes yeah, so I guess in the beginning I'd say the first half of 2020 
primarily I was getting questions around, you know, how can I increase my savings? How what does that look like? What should I be prioritizing? Where should I be putting my savings? Um, coupled with how do I manage my debts? Because obviously a lot of people have to take out lines of credit to be able to manage in this period, which is actually okay. But how do I manage my debts? How do I make sure that I'm on the right thing? If I am struggling, what should I be doing? Who should I talk to? That was kind of the first half of 2020. And I'd say the latter half, which is still kind of trickled in 2021 as well, is about saving, and not saving, sorry, investing. People talking about where should I put my money? Some people were lucky to have a surplus of money. Where should I be putting this? I want to invest. Um, what does that look like? Are there platforms I should be looking at? company has to be looking into investing what does that look like so I guess that that kind of how the trend went some people you know were struggling in the beginning and I guess picked themselves up and managed to get back into employment now they've got a bit of extra money left over where can I actually put it because now I think I think uh, 2020 made people realize that you know not everything is secure where, where people might have thought they were securing their job yeah I've got this job I'm fine I don't have to worry about it I don't really need savings because obviously I'm getting paid every month and then we mm. know that hundreds of thousands of people got let go because of the pandemic. I think people realise, wow, I don't have the safety net um, or the job security that I thought I had. And anyone can get let go mm-hmm. at any mo- at a moment's notice. So how can I put put a kind of like a plan in place to protect myself that if I do get let go again, I've got a cushion of money to pull back on um, or I've got investments that I can cash in to make sure that I'm actually okay and I can still live the life that I'm currently living. Yeah, yeah. Um, so two questions to wrap up, I think. Someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I don't really know. I mean, I guess there's two versions of this, right? There's a there's a, a, a person who doesn't know what's happening with their money who's like in trouble, who's probably, you know, if they, I don't want to say in trouble, who's maybe got debt or who's just got a bit of a complicated situation and they're not sure where they are. So that I'll put that as person one. And then person two would be someone who's like paid off their debt, has maybe built up a bit of savings, but not quite sure what to do next. Could you give maybe like one piece of advice for each person? Yeah, of course. Um, so the, the first person, person one who's um, got a bit of trouble with their debts, what I would say to that person is probably two things is number one, to make sure that if you have like a credit card, for example, that you're on the best credit card that you can get. There are things like balance transfer credit cards, which means that you can actually transfer the balance from one credit card to another hopefully gain a better interest rate so you're actually paying less back in the long run uh, make sure that you're on the best one if you can qualify for a zero percent interest card then do that and transfer the balance over there's always a, a mini fee like a two three percent fee for, for for that transfer but in the end if it does work out to be cheaper then it is worth it number two your second option is just to make sure that you that you communicate. I think if, if I wanted anyone to take any lessons from me and what I went through with HMRC is just to communicate. Had I have communicated earlier, I probably wouldn't have gotten to that point. It probably could have had the same outcome potentially, but sooner. So I wouldn't have had to go through three years of that. So what I'd say is communicate. Mm-hmm. If you are struggling to make payments, I know it seems scary. You think that banks are out to get you and they're going to come and take your house and they may repossess your assets if you are silent for a long period of time and ignore their letters. If the moment you struggle, you say, you know what, I have this loan I need to pay or this credit card and I can't afford to repay it. If you jump on the phone with them and let them know, you'll be surprised at help that they'll give you or they'll, they'll reach out to a payment plan or say, you know what, okay, we've let us know now. So if you don't make this payment for this month, that's fine. We'll push it on to next month. You'll be surprised the things that they will do because at the end of the day, it's in their best interest to help yeah. you to repay because they want their money back. So that's what mm-hmm. they'll go out of their way to do. Um, that's why I say person one person two who's lucky enough to have a surplus of income um and wants something to do i would say look into investing if you haven't already look into what it looks like so there's different types you can invest in like a fund like a stocks and shares isa for example where your money you put your money into the isa and it gets invested into a fund 
some ISAs you can pick the funds. You can pick, am I going to invest in environmental companies, tech companies, that kind of thing. Some you can't, so just have a look and see which one you pick. Um, equally, you could invest in individual companies. So you can say, you know what, I love tech and I know a lot about these tech industry um, companies. So I want to actually pick the companies that I want to invest in. There are loads of platforms that allow you to do that, like free trade, traded two on two, there's tons out there. Um, but I say, have a look at that. Don't jump in without any knowledge but have a look and kind of do some research and a big thing that I say when it comes to investing is only invest money that you're willing to lose the aim when we invest money is to obviously get a return we want to get our money back and then some but equally don't put in your entire life savings and hope that you're going to get a massive return because if if stocks plummet which they do then you will end up losing money so if you actually need that money and rely on it then I wouldn't invest it but if you have some left over if you say you know I can put in couple hundred and if I was to never see it back I'd still be okay financially then that's the money that you can invest yeah yeah great and then I mean for for you Kia like what does the next I mean this upcoming year look like for you what are your your plans for the future like what what are your what are your where are you going I'm I'm very excited to know (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question um right now this so I'd say 2020 was kind of like the laying foundations year for me for pennies pounds just kind of establishing ourselves um and figuring out how to best navigate and build out this platform i say 2021 and beyond is just looking at actually growing a platform and kind of being more creative in the content that we put out there and what that looks like so for me i'm just gonna once we eventually get out of lockdown because I'm, I'm i'm sure everyone can relate i'm tired of being in lockdown but once we get out I'm actually investing more into creating content I really I have so many ideas I have like a notebook with pages and pages of ideas of content I want to create so I just want to be able to actually execute it and yeah I I really do miss doing um, public speaking which probably won't happen maybe not until the end of this year but eventually get back into public speaking again because I used to do loads in 2019 and 2020 so yeah that's kind of just what it looks like just building on what we've done so far creating more content and just continue to grow nice do you have a do you have a little like financial I don't want to say like a financial dream but is there like a thing that you want to get like that would be the 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 ultimate like when you know you've got enough money and everything's going well then you can like buy one thing that'll just be your like celebrate my success thing oh I'd say for me obviously that's 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 me saying like I've got my house and everything I say for me (laughs) being able to get like my dream car which would be one of two things so it'd probably be getting like a Range Rover or getting so I currently drive a Kia because my name is Kia and I'll be after the car yeah. but getting like <laughs> top of the range completely specced out Kia that would be like I've made it I've got even my my huge Kia with everything inside that you could ever dream of um I've got nice. a massive Range Rover that would be me amazing amazing I love it I love it well Kia thank you so much for coming on where can people find you thank you for having me yeah, if you want to find me personally, then I'm Ikea, as I-K-E-E-Y-A-H everywhere. It's an underscore on Twitter. Um, and I speak about finance and other things on my channels. If you want primarily personal finance, you want to up your knowledge, then it's pennies to pounds on everything. So that's pennies of I-E-S, two pounds um, on everything, the podcast, website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, where, whatever platform you use, we're on there giving you that knowledge. Amazing. Thank you so much. And as always with the podcast, everything will be linked in the show notes. So yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Kia. I'd highly recommend giving her a follow on Twitter and Instagram. 
you know, for reflections this week, I was just thinking that, you know, we have these social media feeds and we use them for different things, right? So maybe you're on Instagram because you want to follow fashion or food or, you know, whatever your, your interest is. But I've just really enjoyed following people like Kia because money is a really important part of your life. And I think having it in your social media feeds and seeing good, clear advice, even if it's stuff that you already know, it's just a reminder that your financial world is there, it exists, and that you sort of need to tend to it like a good gardener. I think just by setting yourself up to have this information come to you passively, organically online, I think it just means you're checking in with your finances, you're reminding yourself to tend to them, and I think that can only be good. As usual, please email me any thoughts or questions you have at storytellerpod at gmail.com. And you can find me on social media. I just search Storyteller Podcast on my name, Lisa Golden, and you'll find me wherever you can find me. And until next time. <laughs>